Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by allsteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on youtube.com slash Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast today. Fully loaded episode as we approach the draft. Once again, the Steelers have a new offensive assistant coach. What does it mean? Is it a good hire? A, a bit of a surprise in this offseason after that noise, that circulation about hiring a guy like Byron Leftwich, like Prep Hamilton, faded into the dust. The Steelers made a bit of a splash. On top of that, rumors say that the Steelers have one more big trade coming. Do we believe it? And does it make any sense for this team before the NFL draft? And then finally, a little bit of uh, following the breadcrumbs down the trail of who the Pittsburgh Steelers might draft at 17. We got it all for you, plus more. It's uh, too dark to tell you if it's a beautiful day here in the Berg. We're recording a little early, but it's been a beautiful week here in the Berg. I got to say, 80 degrees. We turned the heat off. It's a good time. How you feeling, my friend? Yeah, man, it's uh, starting to warm up a little bit. I'm grateful for that. I got a big weekend ahead. It's my... My daughter's birthday, so I'm trying to nice. uh, trying to enjoy that. So hopefully we get some good weather. It looks like the the next week or so is no rain, so I don't y'all won't have to hear me complain about how much it rains in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, yeah whole I'm week. excited, man. A whole yeah, week, a whole week, no, no, rain. no rain. Yeah, that's Lucky. crazy. That is that is crazy. I do have one question about your daughter's birthday. I've been saving this even before or after we were talking before the show. Is it an outside party and is there a bounce house? It's not an outside party, but oh, there okay. is a bounce house. That's huge. <laughs> so, yeah, we're renting a, renting a gym out for my daughter's birthday um, on Saturday morning. So, but yeah, we got a bounce That's house awesome. for her and all the little kids to run around. And I will say this at my last or at my godson's uh, party last year. I got in the bounce house to wrestle with them for about 15, 20 minutes. And that was better than any workout I've done in the past 12 months. I was more sore <laughs> from that 10, 15 minutes of jumping and having kids climb on me um, than I've been oh, in with any workout kids. from the gym. So, um, yeah. <laughs> True. With the kids. Didn't think about the kids. I don't even know if my knees would handle bounce house. So, glory to you, my friend. That's a Pretty good fun. one. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. I would only like, did you ever go to those trampoline parks? I went oh, to yeah. one. Like a year, it was the best day of my life. I was like, "What? Well, we should go. We should come here all the time. I could just hang out, play some dodgeball, slam some basketballs. It was a great time. It was a great right. time." But you're right. We don't have uh, the knees are deteriorating by the second here, so <laughs> we don't have the joints for that one. All right, let's talk some Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll start with Glenn Thomas, the hire of a new offensive assistant coach. The big question, obviously, is whether or not he's here to eventually replace Matt Canada. But I think the first part we have to break down is whether or not. It was a good hire. People went when this first started, when we first started talking about this, it was Byron Leftwich, 
I tossed the name Pep Hamilton out there. I thought he fit very well for what the Pittsburgh Steelers were looking for. And then it faded into nothing. We almost all completely forgot about the Brian Flores-like hire on offense that the Steelers were anticipated to make. They came through Glenn Thomas, longtime offensive coordinator in college, helped develop Matt Ryan as a quarterback's coach in Atlanta like 10 years ago. Do you like the move? Do you, do you think it suit, suits what the Steelers are looking for well? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't think um, – definitely don't think there's, you know, much of a downside really to it. I mm -hmm. mean, the Steelers notoriously have always had like one of the smallest coaching staffs like really in the league. Um, and that's just how, you know, Tomlin kind of prefers to operate. But, um, you know, add another uh, – you know, qualified assistant, uh, another, you know, piece of the puzzle kind of on offense, I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, you mentioned some of his, you know, previous experiences uh, working with Matt Ryan with the Falcons uh, as the quarterback coach uh, a while, while back when he was a younger player. Um, you know, he's been the co-offensive coordinator. I think the quarterback's coach for Baylor when. Um, yeah, when like Charlie Brewer was there. Yeah, when they were like a top 10 team um, about five, six years ago. And, you know, maybe the most important aspect of this uh, was, you know, he was the quarterback coach and then offensive coordinator, I think, at Temple uh, yep. with Matt Rule, um, who recruited Kenny Pickett. So um, I think that kind of connection to where, you know, maybe there's, you know, some I know there's familiarity there. I'm not sure if, you know, Pickett, you know, kept in touch with him at all throughout college or anything like that. But, you know, having that familiarity with, you know, the uh, potential franchise quarterback, hopefully long-term um, I think that that definitely was a good thing for him. Um, and while the hire kind of probably makes even more sense. Yeah. So I didn't know, I didn't connect the dots with the Matt rule thing. I've been looking for that. I've been looking for the Steelers. There's gotta be a connection somewhere, you know, like the Steelers don't just hire coaches. That just doesn't happen. So I I've been looking for that. The Matt rule is a good one, but yeah, it's, it's exactly what the Steelers needed. I think what I like most about this is that it follows the trend of an NFL, of the NFL. It's a very quarterback developmental coach who has had a lot of success in the passing game, a lot of success with these young quarterbacks. And I get it's all in college, but everywhere this guy's gone, he's led teams or offenses to success. You know, Charlie Brewer broke the, the Baylor record with 69 touchdown passes. I want to say that's in a season. It might be in a career um, on top of that, Matt ruled temple back to back 10 win seasons. Matt Ryan speaks for himself, obviously. And now he's here. I just think that that's, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches come through Pittsburgh and every time you're kind of trying to find that one piece that makes you say, Oh, okay, this is a good hire. I think Glenn Thomas has a list of them, which makes you feel really good about it. Do you expect him to just be like, what do you expect his role to be? I kind of look at him as a guy that is here to pretty much just develop Kenny Pickett and kind of help improve the pass game as a whole. Yeah, sorry, my dog's going crazy. If you hear them in the background, um, no, I'm not. I'm not really sure exactly like what you know his uh, exact title or role will be, but I do think obviously Kenny Pickett is the number one kind of rule there right like, like he's gonna try to help develop him make sure that he's you know um comfortable try to get him to take that year two leap um yeah. but like i said having a guy on another guy on staff that has you know helped develop a passing game that's something i feel like you know they definitely need to take strides with uh this season becoming more explosive on offense i think all of that you know just add another piece to the puzzle somebody who's been there done that and you know in the event that you know the steelers aren't gonna um 
you know, it would have to just fall completely off the rails, you know, for Matt Canada to lose his job. Like during the season, we can argue about whether we think he makes it to next year um, or the year after, I should say, like 2024. But, you know, in the event that you absolutely have to go a different direction, if he, you know, things fall off the rails, now you have a second person on staff who has called plays. And like, that's the big thing too. Like whenever you're wanting to potentially make a switch, like in season, obviously very uncharacteristic for the Steelers, but um, you know, you got to have qualified play callers on your, on your staff. Cause it's not like, you know, if you're a first time play caller, you don't want to go into that situation, like getting thrown into the fire kind of like week nine. That's just not, that's not how the NFL works. It's just, it's way too, it's way more complex than that. So yeah, um overall yeah i just like it i but i think you know kenny's development um like we've talked about over and over really over the course of the offseason like so much of the steelers future relies around kenny's development like him really taking those next steps so um anything to help further that is uh is a win in my opinion yeah i agree i think it's a huge hire i'm very impressed with it i think it's better higher than pretty much anybody that we've tossed into the conversation just because it's fresh legs with a strong connection to a quarterback. I agree. I don't know what the role will be for him this season. And I agree too. I think that's like the biggest question everybody has or the, you know, that's the excitement that comes with this for a lot of guys or a lot of people is that people look at this and say, okay, now we can't anticipate that this is the replacement of Matt Canada, there's almost a 0% chance that he gets fired during the season. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, You got to let the contract expire, which that's, you know, expected to be reported to be after this season. But just like you said, it's that foot in the door. It is that first. Okay. Well, we get one year to look at both of these guys and make a decision next year. I don't think they're going to, you know, approach the season that way, but it does give them, you know, a perspective, something that they didn't have last year when, it came to Kenny Pickett and, and Art Rooney said it himself and so did Mike Tomlin. Like, you know, people people are bashing on Rooney and Tomlin for only keeping Matt Canada because they said that they don't want any setbacks with Kenny Pickett. Well, now, you know, you kind of eliminate that and give yourself an option, which I think is good. Do, again, do I am I going to look at this higher and say this is the end of Matt Canada? No, I'm not. But I am going to say that I think it's you know, a move in a positive direction for the Steelers offense. And it does give them options, which I think that they very much so needed. You know, I, I don't think that they could have left this offseason with the same offensive coaching staff and said, you know, we'll be better. It's just natural progression. We'll be better. Like it's a coaching staff. This isn't a player. You're either good or you're not good. So I think the yeah, addition you it's a good one. continue to add pieces to the puzzle. Man. Yeah. That's, and, and like you said, the familiarity aspect of it, you know, that was probably a big, you know, that was a big thing and bringing yeah. Canada back, you know, having him work with uh, Kenny for another year, see, um, you know, how, how that relationship develops, um, you know, but you're bringing in a guy who already has some familiarity, uh, at least yep. on the surface level uh, with the quarterback. And then, you know, you're going to get a year, uh, with him in the building, you know, to kind of see what he's about, see see where his brain is and stuff like that. So um, like it, you know, I think in the short term, you know, there's there's really no downside. Um, and in the long term, you know, I kind of joked about it on Twitter since the news came out. I was like, quote, tweeting and was like Steelers offensive coordinator in 2024. <laughs> but it like it really could happen like that. So, I mean, yeah. you, you just don't like we just don't know. Um, but it, it's it's an interesting move on the surface, too. I'm um, definitely going to try to do some, you know, over the weekend, going to try to do some research and see if I can find out um, any type. I already YouTube 
to see if there were some clinics or anything like that. If he'd done anything like that on YouTube, I couldn't find anything, unfortunately. But I'll try to no. reach out and see if I can find something, something good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For next week's episode. That would be nice. I, mean, I, I, I don't know anything about him outside of just you know his long list of successes which is right. you know on the surface that's that's a really good one i think Better it is hilarious failures. that's what i'm saying like it's every time we talk about matt canada we're just talking about failing upwards yeah. with this guy it's just like well it seems like you're in your stripes here like let's come in see what you could do yeah i think it's a positive move i think it's hilarious that the steelers pieces to develop kenny pickett they're just like all right who did he love in college we're just <laughs> gonna go get those guys matt rules taken all right we'll find somebody else don't even worry <laughs> about it yeah it's a good right. time all right let's talk the Steelers still expected to make one more possible splash trade here. I, I, I would anticipate before the NFL draft, maybe according to the athletic NFL executives around the league, believe that the Steelers could be shopping James Daniels and their reasoning behind it is they've put a lot of attention into interior draft class, offensive linemen. They've signed two guards already. So it doesn't really, I guess, make sense. When you try to connect the dots of why they aren't looking at left tackles the way that they're looking at guys like Osiris Torrance or John Michael Schmitz or whoever. Do you follow the logic? Did you read this and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense? Or did you put the smile that you have on now and say, what are we talking about here, people? It's James Daniels. It really is crazy. It really is crazy that this thing is like generating steam. steam. I, I'm very, I'm very baffled. And it's like. It's not just from one source anymore. It's from multiple sources. Like, I think, I, I don't know how this thing is like grown legs, I guess is my, my question. But um, I thought James Daniels was uh, definitely their best offensive lineman last season. Um, I don't even think he allowed a sack all year long. I don't, now, do I think Daniels is this like superstar kind of elite player? Like, I absolutely don't. But I do think he's a, just a good quality offensive lineman. And this is, we're talking about a good quality offensive lineman on a team that over the past three plus seasons has not had very many quality offensive linemen. So uh, the fact that we're even talking about, you know, potentially like replacing this guy, trading this guy, whatever is kind of just baffling to me as much as I am intrigued by some of the guys that, you know, obviously we've talked uh, about Isaac Samalo. uh, We talked about Nate Herbig, but um, you know, and I like those guys. Uh, I even like uh, several of the guys that they've been connected with, you know, for pre-draft visits or, you know, formal combine visits. Uh, we talked on the draft show yesterday about Cyrus Torrance and Steve Avila, um, both guys that I'm like pretty big fans of, especially Avila. So, but I, I don't see a world where we should be, you know, trying to create holes. And that's basically what you're doing uh, with trading James Daniels. You're just creating another need and they already have other needs that need to be addressed. Yeah, it does. Uh, I look at it too. Like James Daniels is 25 years old. You know, the big talk of the town was how he came in here and he was an immediate veteran and he's he like leadership. A, yeah, Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds. Like he's yeah. he's the same thing where uh, it's like, oh, yeah, he's only 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's super young. That was the big deal about it. Even with Mason Cole, like and I get like two different players, but like everybody's like, well, you know, you got to go. Young. Like the Steelers offensive line was insanely young last season to take the best piece of that and say, eh, that's who we're going to get rid of. I just. You know, just to try and think like the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have to earn your stripes here in Pittsburgh. So even if a guy like Osiris Torrance comes in here or, you know, whoever, 
don't you think it just makes a little bit more sense to say you're going to learn from Isaac C. Malu, who's 30 years old and has injury troubles, you know, than to say, well, you, you know, you're just going to replace James Daniels. And then we'll do the same thing again in two years if Nate Herbig isn't like this superstar. And we have to hope that you turn into James Daniels, which you know, is like you said, a starting quality offense. It's not like James Daniels goes to 31 other teams and doesn't start. Like he starts on almost all of them. I just, you know, the, just the logic doesn't make sense there. Yeah. I, I really, I am curious like on what the rationale is kind of behind all of the interior offensive line visits yeah, and stuff. I agree. Like, I, I mean, I do think it's intriguing and I, I understand like at least this kind of like rumor or, you know, theory or narrative, like it has some sort of baseline because it does make you think like, all right, like the Steelers have signed two guards, one of which is definitely a starter. Like I think I view yeah. Sam Alu maybe uh, Sam Alu a little bit better slash maybe like half a tier above Daniels as a player. But I think they're both like, like I said, good starting interior offensive lineman so yeah. like when they're showing this much interest in like top 30s and you know the pro day visits whatever um you gotta kind of think about like all right what's the what's the game plan here like what are we doing i mean and like another thing to point out like with top 30 visits you could be doing top 30 visits for a myriad of different reasons right like it doesn't necessarily mean like because like teams and the steelers have done this too like even this cycle um Top 30 visits could be spent on priority free agents, like guys that yeah. you just like. Charlie you, Scott. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you anybody that you're wanting to, you know, get in the building just to get a, like a look at them, they can be spent on medical rechecks. They yep. could be spent on guys that you're just wanting to get more information on their teammates. Like, I mean, it's it could be a, a ton of different stuff. Or just, you know, you want to get like a, a baseline on who this player could be potential trade up trade down scenarios i mean literally anything so um you know i i don't want to read too much and try to draw too many conclusions the only thing i'll say is like with daniels having that that center versatility um it would just really shock me if like he was the odd man out kind of in this scenario like i think the more likely scenario and this is the one that i think is going to happen is i think on draft night or maybe like the week of um i think kevin dawson's gonna get dealt for like yeah a fifth rounder fifth sixth round pick or yeah. where they get say they get like a late fifth back and they send one of those seventh rounders that they got or something yeah. like that like some late day three pick or pick swap i think is very possible um for Kevin Dodson, just because, like I said, like if you're if you're keeping James Daniels, which I assume they would want to, uh, we we think Mason Cole's going to be on the roster. Uh, we know Herbig and Sam Aller are going to be on the roster. Like you don't, Kevin Dodson doesn't isn't like I get if you have reservations about him his consistency and him being a long term starter in the NFL because of that lack of consistency, but he's not a fifth interior offensive lineman type player. Like no. he's a, it, it, at the very least, he's a, uh, a quality backup and quality backup offensive lineman go for day three picks because we don't have enough quality offensive linemen in the league. Yep. So, yep. I agree. I agree. Do you see that possibly? So you talk the center guard versatility. That's, that's the other, you know, they're still bringing in centers, but that's the other theory that I think fans have at least 
is moving James Daniels to center, getting another guard. Yeah, I know. Um, so I watched, um, I watched two games of him at center when he was in Chicago. Yeah, one of those games was against the Rams. Um, I can't remember what year that was, but um, I remember being pretty impressed with him at center. Um, but I don't know. Like there was a lot of debate on. Um, like what his best position was. And because Chicago moved him around so much, it was like, you know, opinions on that were all over the place. And like, um, like if you follow me on Twitter, y'all know, like I hate this stuff, to be honest with you. I think versatility, I'm going a little rant. I think versatility sometimes can be a bad thing for players. Like can be a bad thing for young players because what happens is when you have the ability and you show the ability to come in and play multiple positions at one, one time, coaching staffs kind of just put you in there like whatever they need you that moment, which kind of sometimes can stunt their development. Like I look back on a guy like Sean Davis, who you can say what you want about him as a prospect or whatever, but like, I don't think the Steelers did him any favors because like when he came in as a rookie, they were playing him at slot corner. Yep. He played outside corner at Maryland. The very next year he comes in, he plays slot corner with the Steelers. Yep preseason so then they move him back to play box safety so yep. then he's playing box safety and then a the year after that he's playing free safety yep. like if you're learning a new position every single offseason like how are you ever supposed like how are you supposed to master anything and yep. like you gotta understand like all the different responsibilities all the different calls especially like players like that like it's just a lot to put on their plate so a guy like daniels who you know was playing three different spots you know throughout his time in chicago during his rookie contract um it's it's both a blessing and a curse sometimes but i know um duke merriweather um he was saying like when the steelers signed daniel daniels last year that they should play him as center so i mean oh, he knows was more he off- really yeah i'm pretty sure uh he knows more about offensive line yeah. play than i'll ever know so yeah. um that's an interesting opinion if, if you guys want to go back and look at that i'm pretty sure i'm i'll see if i can find that tweet but no, i'm pretty that- sure that he said that he 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 thought that the steelers should play him as center that makes that makes a lot of sense, you know. Like, it, I, I was surprised that this conversation didn't get brought up last year. I, I guess it did for like that short time period, a couple of days before they signed Mason Cole. But mm-hmm. it, it is like it. Uh, if if they're gonna do anything, I think that moving James Daniels to center makes way more sense than trading him. Because what oh, are you absolutely, gonna, yeah. Like, what are you gonna get for James Daniels? You're gonna get a you're gonna get a third round pick for James Daniels, like maybe a second if you're lucky. You're not getting a James Daniels in the second round. I mean, maybe you are, but you're gonna take that's a huge risk. It's a huge risk for a guy that's already developed. But at the same time, I thought Mason Cole played fine. I think it's just their approach. Like, I think the Steelers and, and this this kind of goes to your point of moving guys around too much, maybe. I think the Steelers see that their offensive line was good last year, but it isn't where they want it to be. But if you wait another year, and that's the thing with Mason Cole and like bringing in all these centers is people say, oh, well, Mason Cole only has one more year on his contract. Well, if you wait another year and then you move James Daniels to center, then you're just screwing everything up. And there's no need to, you know, like if you're, if you won't move Chooks to the left side and Dan Moore to the right side a year in, why would you move James Daniels two years in? Like it just doesn't follow the trend of everything that they've done. Like it just doesn't, you know, everything doesn't add up for them. It is. It's, I think that's the most confusing thing they've done so far is spend almost, I don't want to say no, but very little time on the the entire group of left tackles and a ton of time on 
those first early second round interior offensive linemen to the point where you're just like, okay, well that's where they're going to go. But like, why, you know, like what's the, what's the, because it's not like you're going to come in here. Like is Osiris Torrance going to come in here and play over Nate Herbig as a backup. And then what's, what was the point in signing Nate Herbig? Like, you know, to just get rid of him, to, to have him compete for a roster spot and possibly get cut or be inactive during game days. I don't know. doesn't make a, it doesn't make a whole a whole ton of sense. Do you think James, what do you think Mason Cole's value would be in a draft in a trade? Mm, I hadn't really thought about that. I'm assuming probably somewhere, I mean, day three pick. Yeah, guess. it's gotta be day three, yeah. but it's worth something, you know. Come draft now. You can yeah, get I mean it's worth something. Yeah, I was able to find that tweet too. It said, um, this is from March of twenty two. He said, You play Daniels at center, move green to guard. So this is Kendrick Green, so obviously. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Um, and then you move Kevin Dawson to right guard, uh, because that was all three of their natural positions. You have an athletic and nasty interior offensive lineman. I see a tweet in here, a reply from Brandon Thorne saying, um, that that's a good idea. So, again, uh, Brandon, no, another, another like, big name, literally the the goat of offensive line play. Um, and then Brett Coleman talking about, um, I remember watching Daniels play center at Iowa when he was reaching three techniques without even break, breaking a sweat. So, yeah, I mean, um, maybe it makes sense. I don't know. It, it's definitely something to uh, to you know look into. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna definitely go watch some. Watch yeah, some, some James Daniels that. at center yeah, right now. I'm gonna try like to see if to. I can find some Iowa tape from from 2016. Maybe so. that's the way. Maybe that's the way they're going. We just don't know. You know, maybe I like Mason Cole a lot. Like I just, as a person, I very much so enjoyed Mason Cole this season. So there's a part of me that's like, please don't get rid right. of Mason Cole. <laughs> but sometimes you have to remove that and just say, well, you know, if we're connecting the dots everywhere else, the dots are screaming at us saying, well, they're bringing in interior offensive linemen and they love them. So yeah. I don't know. I, I do think there's two names. And you said this before we jumped on here, that there's two names that you think that the Steelers have shown too much love for to the point where you have to assume that they are almost all in on both of these guys, Keely Ringo and Dewan Jones, a cornerback out of Georgia tackle. I'm not going to say left tackle, but tackle out of Ohio state. Uh, so far they've, they've literally completed the trifecta. They've ran the whole marathon with both of them. They showed up uh, at both of their pro days with large groups. Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan included. They met formally at the NFL combine with both of them. They met Dewan Jones at the senior bowl as well. And then they took both of them out to dinner and hosted them for pre-draft visits. I mean, you know, we're talking about connecting dots on the interior. You want to you want to talk about some strong signals? It's it's these two, right? Yeah, I mean, you talk about running the gauntlet. I mean, this yeah. is literally you know checking every single box. I mean, there's literally no stone left unturned for mm -hmm. either one of these two prospects. And um, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know they. They drive me crazy on Twitter, man. They talk about smoke screens and stuff like that. Like it's driving. What me is crazy. a smoke screen with a guy who's gonna go thirty second? Like where's the what's the smoke screen? Aye, why aye, why yeah. wouldn't you pay attention to Paris Johnson, and not Dewan Jones? I'm not. I'm not gonna go down that road. But <laughs> no, I mean they they've obviously spent a lot of two a lot of time with these two guys, and um, you know I, I think that we can argue uh, all day long about you know prospects we like, prospects we don't. Um, guys who we'd prefer at certain spots and things like that. But I think you, you know, once we get to this portion of the, um, you know, pre-draft cycle, we kind of have a good idea really of, you know, who, you know, 
they got significant interest in. You better yeah. be getting comfortable with some of these players because they might end up, you know, on the team here in the next month. So, um, yeah, I, I think that both these guys, you know, have a really legit shot um, to the point where, like, I would almost be surprised if one of them didn't end yeah, up. Yeah, at, at least one of them. Do you? So you've been posting Ringo clips on Twitter. I saw that. I, I want to talk about him for a sec. But first, mm-hmm. you know, you said on here – more than once that you don't know if Dewan Jones is a left tackle. Do you, mm-hmm. you know, aside from what you believe he could play in the NFL, do you see the Steelers bringing him in as a left tackle or would you see him coming in here and competing with Chooks maybe for the right tackle spot? See, that's, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I, I mocked Jones to the Steelers in my mock draft yeah. earlier this week. And, um, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, the difference between like left and right tackles is kind of blurred a little bit more now than it used to be um, like, what, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And the reason for that is because like, yes, traditionally your right tackle is more of like your run. Like that's the side that teams want to run to. Your left tackle is your better like pass protector. You're more athletic guy. Uh, The right tackle more of like a mauler type. Um, but with the way the NFL has changed and, you know, so many of the elite pass rushers are either a working from both sides or B just working on the left side. So the right tackle side, um, it, the, the lines kind of are a little bit more blurred than they used to be used to be like, you'd put your best pass rusher on the defense's right side because you got right-handed quarterbacks. So the blind side, so that's what they did. But like now, like top pass rushers are rushing from the other side. You look at TJ Watt, he don't move around. Like he's strictly on that left side. Yep. That's just how it is. Like, uh, you know, Joey Bosa guys, like, I mean, a a lot of guys are like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think Jones would be a right. I think he's a right tackle in the league. I like, you guys can go listen to like my full thoughts on uh, Dewan Jones if y'all want for the draft pod that we did um, yesterday. Um, but, you know, I think that he's going to have some range limitations at the next level, you know, change of direction. Uh, I think he's going to kind of, he'll have some uh, bad losses to like inside counters and stuff like that. But the length is legit, man. Like, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's the, I think he's got like an 86 wingspan or something like that. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's literally going to be a potential trump card for him if he can really like weaponize it uh, the way that, you know, he possibly could with, you know, the right coaching and stuff like that. Um, he's able to easily ride guys up the arc. Um, my favorite thing about him, and I talked about this on the pod too, but like my favorite thing about him is probably his hands and just like his grip strength in general. Like, dude, I watched this man like rep after rep after rep. Like if he gets his hands on you, the rep is over. Like it, it, it's actually pretty awesome. Like when he gets his hands and he lands them in the right place and they're tight and inside, uh, he will literally just grab you and you are not moving. And that's, that is awesome. It's awesome to have that grip strength. Um, so he does have good qualities uh, to be a starting tackle. I, I don't see like a tr- tremendous like Pro Bowl type upside just because I don't yeah. think that he's like every matchup is not going to be uh, for him. Like I think some of the quicker guys, like the faster guys, the counter counter move guys are going to, you know, they're going to have their way with him at times. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, he's he's got he's going to be a solid player, I think. Do you? So hypothetically speaking, they bring Dewan Jones in. That's their 17th pick. Do you anticipate Chooks competing to, to for the left? Like there's no way they're paying Chooks. Just, just let them let them compete. 
and you're saying the best. What, 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 what do you do with Chooks if if Dewan wins? Trade him. You think you could get something for him, even with this sure. contract? Like this yeah. is year one of the big hits on his contract. Yeah, thirteen you'll, million. You'll get something. Yeah, you're getting something. You're not going. You're not going to eat eat a cap hit for him. But like you're not going to move him to the left side. So you you, you let, think... let the let let the best three win out. Okay. Okay. Do you think it would be easy enough for Chooks to? I don't want to say easy enough, but do you think it'd be it'd be capable, possible for Chooks I mean, to move back to the left side? He's. I mean, he's played left side before. Yeah, yeah. So he I played mean, before not, that, but the yeah. switch is not. You know, it's not especially it's not, the tackle. Yeah. It's not. It's not as easy as like people like fans. A lot of fans like think it is. So yeah. like, um, I've listened to prospects like talk to me talk to other people about this switch it's basically like the best way i have heard it described to me is like um going out in your driveway and getting a basketball and shooting left-handed yeah exactly your entire body is switched yeah every single thing that you do every single movement is backwards so um now for him, uh, for example, like he's already played left. So that transition back to left tackle is a little bit easier than, say, you know, somebody who's never done it before. Yeah. Now, now I think Dan Moore going to right tackle because he's only had, you know, that first bit of his rookie training camp on the right side. That may be a little bit more difficult. But mm-hmm. then, like, in order for that to happen, like Jones would – like. Jones would have to win, and then yeah, Jones have would have to win, and then and then Chukes, like that's what I'm saying. I don't know if we're even we'll even nah, get there. Yeah, if like, he's and if Dan Moore's your swing tackle, that's perfectly fine. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. If he's got to play in a pinch. Like, he's not going to be a starter. Like week one, you're not going to need him to go in there and play 70 snaps. So, uh, we kind of get there when we get there. But, um, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting. But like I said, man, I think if you add him to the mix, like you got to let him compete. I'm not saying yeah, he yeah, yeah. either one of those guys out week one. Um, but, you know, competition is a good thing. And I think that would be um, a welcome thing, you know, just from the fan from a fan base perspective, too. Because, I mean, I, I know like people complain to me. I know they complain to you, too, on Twitter. Um pretty much nonstop about, you know, the tackle situation. So I think that would, uh, even (laughs) if he's not your preferred choice at tackle in this draft class, like still seeing them address or attempt to address the position, I think would be a welcome sight. Yeah. And I think that he's, you know, a more realistic option than a lot of these guys. Like Broderick Jones seems to be the new name for the Steelers at 17. All the mocks saying he slides there. Don't get me wrong. Broderick Jones is, is a way better addition than Dewan Jones. But at the same time, like realistically, you know, are, are there that you're telling me that there's 16 teams that aren't going to take a left tackle? Like, there's not three of them in there. Like, you know, that's very difficult to anticipate if you're the Steelers. So, Dewan Jones, you know, makes a lot of sense. Keely Ringo, you've been posting his tape on Twitter. I think at the beginning of this, you know, the film that's that was the big thing. The film wasn't impressive. That's why he was sliding. People had more, higher expectations for him coming into the season than you know he put out there. As he as he changed your mind at all now that you've started to watch this film again? I mean, not for really. Thir- for the thirty second pick, let's because like let's yeah. let's be realistic. Like if he's there at seventeen, and Dewan Jones is there at seventeen, the Steelers are going to draft Dewan Jones. You know, chances are, maybe. I, I, I still I still would. It would not surprise me if either one of them. Yeah, and I know. 17. As I said it, I was like, ah, maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping the gun Look, here, but still. I, I don't know. I, I again, this is not this is not my like 
prefer like here's my thing too. Yeah. Like I try not to get my get ahead of myself and like you know, I try not to knock on prospects as much these days, like to where I just like feel like I'm bashing them nonstop. Cause like when I get on Twitter, man, like this is the thing that drives me crazy. It's like people put prospects into two buckets. It's either they're the greatest thing ever and they have no weaknesses or they're the worst thing ever and they have no strengths. And that just, I just don't, I I do not view football like that. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just, that's not how I look at stuff. Like I try to peel apart like the layers to find out like what guys do well, what guys don't do well, like where they can improve, where you're going to have to hide some of their limitations. Like that's just how I like to view it. I understand not everybody's like that, but I definitely think, uh, you know, Ringo's an interesting player, man. I don't, one thing that I think about Ringo is uh, like his stock has dropped among like big draft analyst folks. Like Daniel Jeremiah, he's a guy who's like really well connected to the league. His top 50 is always really based on like what he's hearing in the league. And his latest ranking of Ringo was at 46. Oh, so that that makes me think that maybe he's, you know, yeah, he's hearing stuff. Yeah, maybe he's hearing stuff that he's not really going round one. You know, he's going to go round two. Um, But, you know, like I said, I think 32 probably may. I mean, it's definitely more realistic, I think, than 17 at this point. But he, but both of those guys, I think, are in play um, at 32 for sure. Do you think that Ringo could come in here at 32 and develop into something worth it, worthwhile, you know, behind Patrick? Because he's not going to start. Like, whoever comes in here, nah, I take that back. It, whoever comes in here, they're going to have to compete but I think a guy like Ringo wouldn't get that starting job over Levi Wallace. Definitely not over Patrick Peterson. Like, do you yeah. think that in two years time, he could be like, Oh, okay. This guy's, you know, definitely worth it. Yeah, I, I do. I, the funny thing is, man, like I, I, I was kind of saving this cause I'm, I'm doing a video on Ringo, but uh, I don't think, teaser here. I don't think Ringo's as boomer bust as people think. Oh, okay. and the reason is because like, I think he has a nice floor. Like you don't like you don't really see like I think a lot of people are saying like like saying he's gonna be like out the like out of the league. Like he's been a productive player for Georgia over the last two years. He's 20 years old. He is big. Yeah. And he's fast. Yep. Like young kids that are productive that early on in the sec that are big and fast competitive don't typically just like completely flame out now i'm not saying like it like it could very well happen like we we see prospects that are billed as like safe prospects all the time and they completely flame out at the draft you know it's a crapshoot i just i don't personally think he's as maybe as risky as like some other people are saying i -hmm. also don't think that he like do I think that he's going to be Christian Gonzalez? Like at the, like if you gave me the best version of like Christian Gonzalez or the best version of Keely Ringo, I'm going to take Gonzalez. And the yeah. real big reason why is because like for one, Gonzalez can play from a pedal. He's more mm-hmm. versatile. He's more scheme versatile, more of alignment versatile, and he's got better hips. So Ringo, he's a little bit tight in his hips. Um, but with that being said, like even with him being a more linear athlete, 
he's still going to potentially be a like a pretty useful asset. And it's really one reason why he runs a four three. Yeah. <laughs> so literally runs a four like, three. If you like the most common route in the NFL is a go route. Yeah. So like if yeah. you have a guy who is capable of playing and press and is capable of staying on top of fades and goes and stuff like that, like that's going to hold value in and of itself. Now he's going to have to get better at, you know, so specifically defending comebacks and hitch routes. But I think I've pretty much figured out why he struggles with that. Um, but there's going to, there's going to be some, like, there's going to be a learning curve. Like he's still like, there's some flashes of some really impressive technique. And then there's yeah. a lot of stuff that he really needs to tighten up on. Um, but I do, I do still think he's a good player. I think a lot of people are saying he should move to safety right now. I don't think you see in the big picture. I, I There's way more upside with him as a press corner, whether that's in a cover three scheme where you're literally just asking him to defend the deep third, um, old school Seattle, Dan Quinn type defense. Um, yes, sir. But there's way more upside as a corner than there is like with him being a safety. Like, yeah. Hundred percent. The Steelers. Opinion. The big thing with him and with anybody that the Steelers bring in is they've done enough so far that they don't need anybody to come in here and be an immediate starter on defense, like um, uh, in the secondary. And I think that if you, you know, a Ringo in their eyes, I think it's very realistic that all three of the big cornerbacks are gone by seventeen, and the Steelers have to make like a decision of do we go tackle with Dewan Jones. Do we take an interior offensive lineman? Do we slide back? But I don't think that – I think there's a better shot of Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon, and Christian Gonzalez all being gone by 17 than there is one of them actually being there. And uh, Deontay Banks is there too, and I think he's a very interesting name to watch as well. But if the Steelers are thinking we're going to wait on a corner, like they've done enough to where Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace are their starters – you know, DeMonte KZ and Minka Fitzpatrick are their starters if need be. They don't need anybody to come in here and make a position change and, you know, have any impact in the secondary at all, really, except for off the bench. So I think that moving him, you know, does for any of these guys doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Especially I, right now. And I like, like, I like Banks uh, yeah. quite a bit Ooh. more than I like Ringo. It's just, but like I said, like, at this point in the draft process, like, you got to figure out, like, you know, be realistic about guys that they've shown interest in. And yep. like I said with Ringo, man, like there's things like technically that you can teach him that he's not doing right now that will make his job a lot easier. And the fact that he's only 20 years old, the fact that, you know, he's because there's a the thing too, Dude, like young, he's 6'2", yep. 210 pounds, and he runs a 435. You can't teach 6'2", 210 pounds, 435. Like, you can teach a lot. Like, that. Like you can have, like, really good small corners that do, you know, excellent things with their technique, but they're, they're going to go out there and get dunked on by bigger receivers. Like, every yep. guy's going to come with some limitations, and he does have limitations. Like I said, I think he's tight. Like, I don't think he trusts his hips. Um, I don't – like, I haven't seen him try to backpedal. Like, he just doesn't do it. He either plays from, like, a scooch technique or with his back to the sideline at half turn. Like, there's a lot of stuff that he might never be able to do, but you can't teach 6'2", 210, 4'3", 5". And he'll be able to stay on top of receivers. And like you said, even if they 
don't want to play him as a rookie like week one, you'll still be able to use him down the road if you get into certain matchups. One of those matchups, I think, could potentially be Cincinnati. Because here's the deal. Say, Jamar Chase. The Steelers have to get – this is the thing about Ringo, too, and this is, like, the only reason that I'm not going to, like, freak out if they do pick him at, like, 17 or 32. They have got to get faster in the secondary. Oh, yeah. They are slow as molasses back here right now. <laughs> like, I, do, I legitimately do not know if they have a corner that runs – Faster than a four six right now. I, no, I think there's you, zero chance they do. I think Maybe if you Akella. literally line yeah, James, up, James Pierre, James Pierre. I don't who even, won't be who won't be know. on the field. Who won't be yeah, on the field? They don't maybe. have a corner that plays. Yeah, Pierre might be able to. Like Wallace was a four six guy coming out. Yeah, Peterson was obviously a freak athlete. But yeah, I but mean, he's thirty three years old, so yeah, you know now. there's no way he's um, running that these days. Mallet, no not, way, not a speed guy. So like, they got to get faster. Like that, yeah. that was, that was like my number one thing in the mock draft too. Like with, cause I had them taking Forbes at 32 and then I had them taking like a flyer on like Starling Thomas uh, yeah. from UAB. Like they, they got to get faster in the secondary. Like it's, it's gotta happen. Even if those guys don't come in and play like 90% of the snaps, like you gotta have some type of speed because you know, that you heard their expression, like, uh, these offenses they build their receiving cores like you know basketball t- basketball lineups yep you got like every offense now has at least like one guy that runs a four three so like out of those three receivers like you gotta have one of your three corners that can run and like at least with Ringo like he's big he's fast like yep. you can figure some of the other stuff out and the fact like I absolutely love this this and honestly like it has gotten me to the point where I just want to see it happen just because I think Steelers Twitter would be funny as hell and it's gonna they're gonna freak out if he's a pick at 17. <laughs> but um him working with Richard Sherman is like, dude, it's it is the best thing for him. Yeah. And I am so like because they play the same, they play the same technique. And like Sherman was literally the GOAT at playing like step kick. Yep. And like if he can like if Sherman can get him right with his technique. Like I said, you can't teach 6'2", 210, 435. So, like, if he can get him right with his technique, like, Sherman, he has some athletic limitations, too. He ran, like, a 4.55. That wasn't even, like – That's what I'm saying, yeah. That wasn't even, like, the threshold. That's not even the threshold for what you would look for in boundary corners. So, coaching matters, man. Development matters. It's it's funny, too, because, like, I see – everyone seems to think he's, like, this boomer bust guy. Like, he has, like, super high potential but super high bust potential. The funny thing is – Everybody wants these high ceiling players until it's time to let them develop or yep. coach them up into into those type of prospects or players. That's what drives me crazy. Like these high ceiling players that come into the draft without needing like the right coaching or anything like that. Like, dude, there's like two, three guys like that in every draft class. Like, unless you're picking in the top five, you're not getting your hands on those guys. Like, (laughs) no offense, but like the person, like the defensive line coach that gets Jalen Carter, like no offense to that person, but I'm not going to give him a ton of credit for developing Jalen Carter. Like he's the most talented player in the class. Like good for you if you get the most out of him. But to me, like, you get way more credit in my eyes if, like, you're a defensive back coach and you take somebody like Ringo, who clearly has work to be done on his technique. 
you get the most out of him, then we're talking. Like yep. guys like this is what like Seattle has done for years. Like think about all the corners that they've got. So many like Dude, the, great the two years this year. Of. The two yeah. that this year that they put together late Literally. round picks. Richard Sherman, fifth round pick, Brandon mm-hmm. Browner, Byron Maxwell, Tariq yep. Woolen, Kobe oh, I Bryant. About Maxwell. I mean, like, look yeah. at all these different dudes like that they've had success developing. None of those guys were high picks. Nope. Like none of them. So nope. like coaching matters man like and that's what i'm saying too like if you were to tell me that like which corner was gonna have the the best career like what i take like ringo's like not even in my top five i don't uh, corners that i ranked uh on last week's corner show but like if you were to tell me ringo is going to seattle next year yeah and he's working with sherman in the offseason yeah i'm probably changing my tune a little bit because yeah. i trust seattle's coaching staff to get yeah. him there so yeah. um at the you same know. time, though, that's you know concerning when you look at the Steelers' track record. Yeah, yeah, and say, well, you know, if you go to Seattle, you sure. could turn into a superstar. If you go to Pittsburgh, you could you could turn into Artie Burns. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to this, this what the thing too. And we we've talked about this before, but like you got to take swings, man. Like yeah, yeah. Have they to. haven't even taken like like since Artie, they haven't nope. really even taken the only swing Dude, they've, they've been taken scared. has been Justin Lane, and that was yep. 2019. Like they yep. haven't taken a corner in years so like you're now you you're getting a little bit older um at the position you know the guys that you have you know kind of found and developed mike hilton cam sutton you've let those guys walk in for agency so now it's up to you to you know draft and develop and like you've got to take you've got to take swings because if not you're going to always be paying for these like tier three tier four type of corners and free agency but, you know, and there's nothing wrong with those guys. Like, Levi Wallace is a perfectly fine – like, he's a fine player. It's just, mm-hmm. like, there's a notably capped ceiling with a player like him, and he's no longer on a rookie contract. So, yep. like, you're not really reaping the benefits of him. And from a cost perspective, he's just kind of solid. And, like, yep. there's just – there's no upside there. So, if you want the upside, you got to take the swings in the draft to get them. You can't be scared. So – um, I'm really interested to see who they get. Um, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating, uh, fascinating to watch for sure. It's it's an interesting one. As we get closer, it's it's becoming more exciting just because the guys that we anticipated, the mock drafts that we put out months ago are seemingly just tossed right to the side. And we're just like, OK, well, <laughs> back to ground zero. And here we go. And these guys, this is when it gets exciting. You know what I mean? Like. There's too many options for the Steelers. 17 is a complete ghost land right now. Like you've no idea what's going to happen. And it's only going to get crazier because they're just now starting to bring in those big names, the Christian Gonzalez, the Deontay Banks, you know what I mean? And we still have two weeks. And I think, I think they have 10 more top 30 visits to schedule that we don't know of yet. So you don't know who those guys are going to be. It's exciting. It's very, very exciting. More to come. It's only going to get crazier. You know, the week before the draft might be, 17, who would have thought 17 would have been a wilder pick than 20, 24, you know, the TJ Watt days of 27. Like nobody, nobody thought 17 would be the one where things are just wild and out. We have no idea what's going on. So we're excited on that note. We're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of all Steelers talk. Please make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk. Go check us out anywhere you get your podcasts and check out all of our work at allsteelers.com plus Derek's YouTube channel, DB or Steelers underscore DB on YouTube. 
I will be back on Monday with Steven. Please enjoy a beautiful Easter weekend here in the Berg. Peace. (laughs) 